Welcome to the True Falls Film Festival. Welcome to the True False Podcast, presented by KBIA. I'm Sebastian Martinez Valdivia. On this week's episode, we are re-featuring an episode from last season with filmmaker Lance Oppenheim. Oppenheim directed Some Kind of Heaven, which screened at last year's festival and is streaming now on Hulu. In the film, Oppenheim tells the story of residents at The Villages in Florida, the country's largest retirement community. The Villages, singular, is home to more than 100,000 retirees and boasts 12 golf courses, three libraries, and no residents under 55. The rows of houses and town squares are designed to evoke an American yesteryear that can be disconcerting and disorienting, something former True-False programmer Janelle Augustin asked Oppenheim about in her interview. I was really interested in kind of the architecture of um, the villages and sort of the way that it's made, not only to feel like Disneyland, but also to feel familiar and old and worn in. And I was curious, just what was your experience kind of moving through that space? You know, um, it's interesting that there's like kind of like the fake, like established by dates and the sort of um, like painted brick that's not exposed. And I just was wondering sort of like, what did it feel like when you were first there? Did it feel like you were on a tour or did it feel like you were really in an old town or... Hmm. um, what is the feeling there? That's so funny. I mean, it felt like you're, you know, it felt like you were in this kind of, it's like this, you know, you're in an amusement park every day mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's like, it's like tourism as a way of, of, of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And um, it always felt like an amusement park to me more than anything. I mean, it's interesting, like the, the you know, the place is so large, it has its own, you know, they have, it's, it's not just a place exclusively for the wealthy, there are houses there that cost far less than, you know, some of the houses that are in the film. And mm-hmm. they call that they call the cheapest district of the place, the historic district, which is hmm. also insane <laughs> to me. Um, but no, I mean, I think like the, the town squares are definitely designed in this, you know, it's it, like, they, I think that the family who created the villages, um, they're riffing off of obviously like Epcot and Disney, but they're mm-hmm. also riffing off of, um, you know, places like Sun City and, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the other Del Webb kind of established ways. I think there is, it's, it's, it reminds me in a lot of ways of like, and this is a big visual reference for us of like Edward Scissorhands mm-hmm. or, um, you know, like, it's like, the, it's almost as if the place was just, and, and the people who created the place, um, you know, were, were familiar with, with like the Truman Show or right. Edward Scissorhands, and they were intentionally designing the place to have that snow globe of America-esque, you know, feeling, um, this place that captures like the feeling of like the Hallmark Channel's version or vision of America looks like. Um, I want to touch a little bit uh, about kind of like your background and upbringing in Florida. Um, I was reading about a film that you made called Dogmatic. I was wondering if you could just say a little bit about it and sort of like <laughs> your <laughs> the things that you saw in Florida. I'm also wondering if Florida Man the Twitter is an inspiration for you. Um, if you could just kind of go into that a little bit. You're such a lurker. <laughs> 
that, you did your homework. Thank, thank you for that's like the first thing I ever made. That's so funny. Yeah, the uh, um, I mean, I think a lot of this stuff really came initially from like it, a lot of these things were happening in my backyard. Like the, the 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 I live really close to the Everglades. I live on like this like weird ranch swamp. Basically, mm-hmm. there's nothing really around except like you know open land that's like swampy ish mm-hmm. and then the everglades is like if you take the wrong stop you end up in that whole region of the world so um i you know i mean gro- growing up it was i was like what's the cheapest and easiest not easiest but like what's 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 a way to make something that doesn't feel contrived that's not just coming from like my inexperienced you know brain that you know mm-hmm. hasn't seen a lot of life um, and I, you know, looking at like the newspaper, which is something I still do even from afar, uh, like the local newspaper, there's just like insane stories all the time, <laughs> um, that are going on. So that was one of them. I mean, that film came from, I had heard about like this animal rescue group that was, you know, this whole story of like dogs being thrown into the Everglades and, mm-hmm. you know, by owners who were like thinking they would give their domesticated pets like a second chance at life. Wow. And I was like, what? And um, <laughs> I got like this tiny little grant to go shoot something. And, you know, I was just like, OK, well, if I'm going to go make something, at least, you know, it may not be the t- most technically proficient or pretty or something. But the story itself is so weird and interesting. And then, you know, as as we made it, I just like I found out that the, um, you know, the like rescue group that was going in were kind of more close to like vigilantes that were right. like, f- themselves feeling I wish I wish I could like go and make it again today but you know like all the people who were involved in that animal rescue group are you know they most of them were like f- you know former nail technicians and their nail salon what? went under during the uh the recession so I was just and, wow. and they were like kind of breaking into people's homes with like unregistered guns and knives and that crazy is wild. stuff <laughs> but yeah I mean definitely love Florida man um I mean, I love Florida as a, as I, you know, I, I, I don't think I appreciated it enough when I grew up there, but, um, I very much appreciate it now. It, it really is like a phantasmagorical place. It's just like so much <laughs> magic and mischief and crazy shit is always going on there. Uh, some of your previous short films are about kind of, uh, sort of what we'd call like total institutions or sort of like closed spaces with their own cultures. Like you have a film about long-term LAX parking. You have uh, films where people live on cruises. Um, I'm curious, like what makes you gravitate towards those spaces or kind of films about lifestyles? And I'm wondering also like, what is your lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, frenetic and sad is my, oh. is my lifestyle. No, I, that's, 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 um, that's good. That's a good, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it's, I don't know if a lot of this can be traced back to this, but in probably in like when I was in middle school, my parents, they went, they're they both real estate attorneys, but they went from like, you know, representing people who were you know, building homes or buying homes to suddenly people who are like losing homes and being foreclosed on. Um, so a lot of times my parents would come home and share these like really crazy stories. And I'd meet a lot of their, their clients who, um, I don't know, it almost seemed like a home wasn't just like a place they lived in. It was like an identity or, or something that, you know, that, that they mm-hmm. were being fractured from. And, um, I was super interested in that and I was trying to kind of find movies, um, that spoke to that. I was kind of a loser, 
Uh, I still am a loser, <laughs> but I was a loser in middle school, and I was really bad at sports, so I just uh-huh. watched a lot of movies. Okay. And I found this film um, that this filmmaker named Mark Singer made called Dark Days, mm-hmm. um, which I think really, yeah, changed you know i don't know if it's like it's hyperbolic to say it changed my life but it it did definitely kind of guide me in the direction of what kind of stories i'm interested in telling and that film is about um uh this kind of like subterranean uh improvised community in 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 new york and these abandoned amtrak stations where um uh, a homeless community basically yeah they they've they decided to leave life above ground mm-hmm. and they decide to create a, a, a try and create a better life for them lives for themselves down there and um hmm. you know it's like it's fascinating they're creating like a shanty town uh one 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 person is pregnant she she delivers a child there's like a a dog breeding wow like thing going down there too and it's really oh interesting God. it's like very domestic and it's really cool, and it's shot in sixteen, and it's black and white. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so I, I, I think a lot of this stuff, like whether it's like the the LAX parking lot or um, you know the Mario on the cruise ship, I think it's just mm-hmm. like I'm try- I'm always looking for really interesting interesting settings, and then trying to find you know trying to use those settings as kind of the the background for something else to happen within so you know it i don't know that i think the making of this film really taught me on shorts you can kind of get away with it but that mm-hmm. like s- you know setting isn't story you need you need to find uh things that go down in that that area right i'm curious do you think you would ever uh do a film where you are maybe in a place where people can't leave like a cult or commune would you ever do that in the future Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I, th- I think it's like it's like it's like anything where you know, they're kind of like environments where people choose to put themselves, you know, or like intentionally place themselves into to to pursue some kind of fantasy or dream they have, and um, because I you know I don't know I relate to that a lot. That's sort of the interest in making these stories is mm-hmm. being around people who, you know, seeing a lot of different kinds of ways in which people live. Coming up, filmmaker Lance Oppenheim talks with true-false programmer Janelle Augustin about picking the characters he follows in his film. I noticed he was wearing these, like, colored, you know, like, LED gloves. He also was doing Tai Chi and, like, wearing, like, you know, a Shaolin monk, like, like, like the garb of a Shaolin monk or something. So I was like, who the hell is this dude? We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the True False Podcast, presented by KBIA. I'm Sebastián Martínez Valdivia. Let's get back to our conversation between programmer Janelle Augustin and filmmaker Lance Oppenheim about his new film, Some Kind of Heaven, and the people it follows. I wanted to ask you a question about just sort of how we, how you um, met kind of the protagonist of the films. <laughs> and I was also yeah. curious if you if you have any family in the villages. Like, how did you first get onto the property? Because I I yeah. noticed like in the film like there's not really security. But how did you start to talk to people? Well, so so the short answer is is no. Okay. Um, I don't have any family there. Which actually at in you know the earliest days of like trying to figure out how to even approach making a film there. 
I spoke to so many journalists who had written about the place. I had done, you know, I, I did my homework. I read a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff and, um, you know, everyone, I guess the kind of like main theme that everyone was just telling me was just, you know, show up. So right. anyway, so I, I you know, I, I showed up to these clubs. I basically got myself invited to like a lot of different people's birthday parties. And okay. I would just kind of like hang around the, the, the bars that people would go to. Um, and I met Barbara my first night in town at the acting club. Oh, wow. So that was the first club I went to. I thought oh. that, you know, it would be a good place to start if people who are interested in acting, you know, these folks probably aren't going to be so scared of a camera or right. a documentary crew or whatever. And, you know, for like the, I think for about like almost 25, maybe it was 25 or 28 days I was there, maybe a little less. I was there alone, you know, without a camera, just kind of introducing myself to people. Um, mm -hmm. But I met, yeah, Barbara was one of the only people in the acting club that wasn't participating. And, you know, I just saw her kind of observing and, I introduced myself to everyone and after, you know, the class, she came up to me and she was extremely vocal just about like how tough it was to live in the villages. So I, I, I and she was probably out of like the, you know, all the people I met in the first like 20 or so days that, you know, was honest about what she was, hmm. or I was just transparent about how, you know, difficult some parts of being there were. Um, and then uh, Dennis, I met at a singles club. Okay. And he gave me a hand, uh, a, a, a business card that said, uh, "Celebrity handyman and personal companion for hire." Oh my god. Which I like. <laughs> it's funny. I, I I took that and I was like, "This is the most insane thing in the world." And I, I actually didn't even like understand. I thought that like I didn't I didn't know he when I first met him he didn't come he would he didn't give me the his life story that he gives to everybody. Like uh -huh. he, he kind of was hiding it for a little bit. Um, and then we actually filmed with him on the first day and I just, our interview, you know, I, I think at that time he may have been living at Nancy's already. Okay. And um, he, yeah. So he was, he wasn't in the van when I first met him and, and he, um and he had told me about the van Oh, and wow. he just was telling me these like really gross stories about women <laughs> that he slept with before and all this stuff. So I, I kind of just like didn't we didn't I, I didn't I thought he wouldn't be a character in the film. I just didn't really feel like we're talking to him again. Mm -hmm. And then I bumped into him uh, on the third shoot and he was back in the van. And that was, you know, it was probably almost like a year and a half into shooting. Hmm. Um, and then we kind of just exclusively followed him around for a while. Um, and then the last thing, Reggie and Anne, I hadn't met Anne actually, probably we shot with Reggie for a few weeks before we actually like really formally met Anne. Okay. Um, but I was sh filming with someone else at this, uh, like the basically like a Chili's that turns into a pickup bar at night <laughs> for singles. Okay. And I was f filming with someone else there and, um, Reggie, um, kept kind of like getting into all of our shots and I was like, what is going on? Who is this mm -hmm. guy? Like, I, I, and I kept going up to him and I was like, excuse me, you know, can you please, you know, I'm sorry, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this stuff. And I noticed he was wearing these like colored, you know, like LED gloves. And also, <laughs> um, he also was doing Tai Chi and like wearing like, you know, a Shaolin monk, like, like, oh like the God. garb of a Shaolin monk <laughs> or something. So I was like, who the hell is this dude? And then and then he um he told me that, you know, he responded to me and he was like, well, I'm going to be the subject of your film and I actualize you I in being here and, uh, you know, uh, we should film together soon. And I was like, wow, okay. 
And that was that. Oh, my God. I love him. He's uh, honestly my favorite person in the film. Um, I really identify with him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so interesting. <laughs> wow. Um, it's very sweet, you know, at the end when he's sort of teaching Anne how to golf. But I really loved his um, – I actually loved his rebellious, you know, streak beforehand. Um there's also scenes in the film, like I'm thinking of one in particular, where a woman um, or a couple are touring a home and she's talking about how she, you know, wants a house where you can see palm trees and, you know, not too close to the neighbors. Yeah. Or there's sort of like these, I think it's so interesting in the film, there's like these starter homes, but they're not really starter in the sense of like, you know, that word usually means you're starting a family, but instead you're like starting your retirement or you're kind of like starting a new chapter of your uh, your life. And um, so it's very interesting that even in that sort of last chapter, there's all these um, moments where um, there's an emphasis on the new or um, kind of like this uh, kind of catalytic period in your life where there's like such incredible freedom that feels a lot almost like going to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's 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 funny you bring up that scene, too, because I mean, that's like there, <laughs> there are so many people in the villages and that that one woman is it was a very was very sweet and very nice to to work with but you know certainly her it's like you know I think the other thing we're trying to do as well obviously like the big elephant in the room and anytime you go or hear about the villages it's like the first thing you hear about is kind of how like conservative the place is and how homogenous right. the place is racially and mm-hmm. also just politically mm-hmm. um and there's like you know endless politico articles written about how this place is you know like a catalyst for making Florida go red, all that stuff. So mm. a lot of it is like, how do we treat, you know, how do we, how do we kind of also talk about that top, you know, address that without being, without in some ways, I think dating the film. And also, sure. you know, to me, it's like a, the most easy thing you could have done is make like a pretty reductionist kind of take on like, these are crazy people who are all Republicans. Right. That's no fun. Um, let's make fun of them. Yeah. And, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, I mean, that woman who's just like, I want this place to look the same way from house to house yeah. for like, you know, and then the, the retailer is like, for the next five years, and she's like, or 10 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that's a really terrifying idea. Um, I, I personally would not want that. But I'm also not at that stage of life. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think, as a lot of people, I guess, as you age, if you have the the gift or the pleasure of aging because not everyone's afforded it you know a lot of life happens to you and a mm-hmm. lot of shitty things it seems like has happened to a lot of people who have moved to the villages and yeah part of the reason that they're there is to be kind of entrapped in, inside of this vacation world totally uh you know until they die so mm-hmm. um you know i think that that was to me the most interesting part of the place and the people who lived there more so than you know um, I guess some of the easier targets, um, you know, or, or just the skepticism that like, you know, I imagine any younger person would have when you walk into a place like that. I have also just kind of probably a basic question, but how did you get to the title of this film? Like what was your ah. inspiration and what was the feeling you were trying to evoke? Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I, the, do you like the title? I do, but you know, I'm curious about the sum. Like what is a qualifier nice. of sum for you? Some, yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. So the the short of it is um, we were, we didn't, we had no idea at all for so long. We were struggling to find a title and, <laughs> and our composer, Ari Bluzian, who is you know, like, you know, basically who, 
you know, I would call him a co-author of the film as much as I would like my DP. Um, and anyway, he sent me a, a, a song that had the, the you know, the, the title, Some Kind of Heaven in it. And I think he was, he, I asked him at where he came up with that. And I think he, there's like a Ed Rocha, is that the artist's name? Ed Rocha, yeah. There's a, there's mm-hmm. a, yeah, there's a, there's a painting he made called A Particular Kind of Heaven. And I think oh. Ari was just like, yeah, some kind of heaven. That's an easier way. And um, he just thought of it as kind of like a throwaway song name. But as, you know, when we were going through and just trying to figure out what this was, I think it also, it applies in my mind a lot to the ways in which, you know, the attitudes of the place. You know, some people do, you know, it. For a lot of people, it is a heaven of of, of a particular kind, um, and I think you could also look at the title as maybe being, you know, embodying like the utopian promise of the villages, and also kind of calling it into question a little bit, because mm-hmm. um, I think that's, you know, that's that's ultimately, in my opinion, what the movie does if it if it, if it does it successfully. Lance Oppenheim is the director of Some Kind of Heaven, which screened at True False 2020 and is streaming now on Hulu. You can find more of his work, including the shorts mentioned in this episode, on his website at lanceoppenheim.com. That's it for this week's episode of the True False Podcast. This episode was produced by Tina Tan, with music by Tim Pilcher. You can find more episodes on your podcast app of choice or on our website at kbia.org. True False is on Twitter, at True False, and you can find me, at Sebastian Sings. I'm Sebastian Martinez Valdivia. Thanks for listening. <laughs>